You're listening to the Taming Hindrances Podcast. Conversations about self-awareness and mental health, as well as a dive into this thing known as spirituality. We talk about everything and anything on the podcast, so come get triggered. Welcome to another episode of the Taming Hindrances Podcast. As always, my name is Phil. I'm the host and creator of the podcast, and today's episode is all about Zen. I'm going to talk about Zen. Throw my hat in the ring on this whole Zen thing. It's been around for a while. Um, I've practiced it in some cases. I've learned about it. I've talked about it in my life many, many times. Um, so, you know, as usual, let's head over to Merriam-Webster's Dictionary. Let's get ourselves a nice definition to work with, and uh, we'll go from there. So, Zen, the noun, is a Japanese sect of Mahayana Buddhism, the lesser canon Buddhism, uh, that aims, by lesser I mean the smaller of the canons, that aims to, uh, aims at enlightenment by direct intuition through meditation. Um, there's also, or, you know, the, the noun Zen, a state of calm attentiveness in which one's actions are guided by intuition rather than by conscious effort. That's what I'm going to talk about the most today. Uh, then there's the adjective, which is of relating to or associated with Zen Buddhism, suggestive of the teachings or practice of Zen Buddhism, having or showing qualities such as meditative calmness, attitude or acceptance, popular associated with practitioners of Zen Buddhism. Uh, if you're looking to get a grasp on what Zen Buddhism is, I highly recommend the book, uh, The Zen Experience by Thomas Hoover. Um, something I read a long time ago. I believe it gives a really good telling of where Zen came from and how it became Zen Buddhism, where the, where the philosophy started, how it, you know, it kind of worked its way through the quote-unquote Zen masters. Uh, Thomas Hoover does a great job telling the history of Zen, but also at the same time, you know, mentioning what Zen is, where it came from, how it, how it built its roots. Um, that is on the archive. You can find a link to that book on the taminghindrances.com slash archive. Uh, I would be remiss to say at this point, uh, the podcast has a sponsor. Uh, it's Norse Panda, N-O-R-S-E. P-A-N-D-A.com, NorsePanda.com. Uh, you can go over to NorsePanda.com and check out their wares. It's apparel-based company. Uh, it's actually my company. I know I'm cheating here. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's workout gear. It's fun t-shirts, uh, yoga pants, all sorts of stuff. But the reason we're talking about Zen today is partially in uh, with NorsePanda.com because one of NorsePanda's uh, the company's mottos is be Zen, you know, life less serious. Everything's nonsense. Be Zen. So go over to NorthPanda.com, get yourself some cool gear, uh, some little chibi cute characters with some fun sayings, uh, shirts and, um, all sorts of stuff. But back to this whole Zen thing, right? This whole Zen thing. Uh, I would also be remiss to say if you haven't ever listened to, um, Ooh, blank in here. Uh, Damn it. I apologize. Well, I mean, I shouldn't just say, I shouldn't just pick out one thing, right? Thomas Hoover, that, that book, um, that book changed my outlook on Zen. Uh, so Thomas Hoover's the Zen experience who I was just thinking about is Alan Watts. And I, I was going to say Alan Watts, but that's not just the only person who's ever talked about it. It was just someone who made my understanding of Zen much deeper. So I do highly recommend Alan Watts's talks on, um, 
Zen and the just the Eastern mind brought to the Western mind in his uh, his own way. Um, a fantastic manipulator of words, in fact, uh, brought the Eastern mind to the Western mind fairly uh, effectively, I would say. Uh, one of my favorite things to listen to is lo-fi Alan Watts um, talks, where it's kind of like lo-fi music with some of his, his uh, speeches kind of woven into it. You can also get a link to uh, Alan Watts' work at timminginterests.com slash archive. But this Zen thing, this Zen thing, it's a tough subject for me because I don't believe you can just practice Zen. You can practice Zen Buddhism. That is a whole practice in and of itself to practice Zen Buddhism, which is following the Mahayana Buddhist uh, methodologies while practicing the idea of attaining enlightenment through the intuition of oneself, uh, which I did a whole episode on back way back when did a whole uh, episode 37 on intuition. And it's specific, specific to the intuition we get through meditation. So Zen Buddhism can be a practice, but it's, it's more of a state of being right. And it's not possible to always be Zen without practicing it. And so when we're talking about the noun of Zen or the state of calmness, uh, a calm attentiveness in which one's actions are guided by intuition rather than by conscious effort, these are trained things. When your, your intuition tells you to do things, it's because it has experience with it. It's trained. And it also takes training to listen to one's intuition. It's not something that just happens. You're just like, oh yeah, happenstance. I just happen to know what to do. Well, there's some training behind that. Now, there are cases of spontaneous enlightenment and uh, cases of spontaneous intuition of just, I just knew. I just knew. Well, when we look at intuition a little bit deeper, as I did in episode 37, um, you'll see that intuition is a spiritual, it's a spiritual sense, right? And so I think the practice of Zen or the act of being Zen is just being a little bit more in tune with your spiritual side, right? Do I trust the tarot cards? I do. I, I read my own tarot cards regularly and I read, you know, I've read other people's tarot cards. I've gotten more into the practice of reading uh, cardomancy to read cards. Um, there's many other versions of the Mancies out there, but there's just the spiritual sense, you know, that people get nowadays. And one of those is intuition. Intuition is a spiritual sense. So the act of being Zen, I would argue, is the act of being a little bit more aware of one's own spiritual understanding, spiritual practices and methodologies. Um, with that understanding, I think it's a little bit more easy to be Zen, you know, to be in a strong, a, a state of calm attentiveness, right? Well, to be attentive of or aware of our spiritual side, to, to just be, to be, there you go, to be. Right. And so when we talk about being in a Zen state or being Zen about something, I personally am at least talking about being aware of one's own mental health, being aware of one's own mental states, the actions we're taking. Does it, does it really, you know, correspond to the way we want to be acting? Cause if, if we're looking for enlightenment through direct intuition, what we're looking for is a state of being so much our own selves 
that we become enlightened through it, that your actions are your own, that your mind is your own, your body is your own, your spirit is your own, the way you're thinking is your own. You're not corrupted. You're not coerced. You're not to be so much you that you become enlightened of everything else. That's the act of Zen. That's why spontaneous enlightenment was something that the Zen practitioners looked for. Right? To be so ingrained in and of yourself, in your own mind, in your own processes, in your own ways, that you become enlightened because of it. To be enlightened by the process of spontaneous intuition, if you will. Right. So let's break that down a little bit. You know, intuition, I guess I should look up the definition for that before you, just so we have it. Let me grab it. So uh, the power or faculty of attaining to direct knowledge or cognition without evident rational thought and inference, immediate apprehension or cognition, knowledge or conviction gained by intuition. Spontaneous intuition. Intuition by in and of its own definition is a spontaneous action. It is when you just know. When you just have that feeling. But beyond that, it's the trust that that's correct, right? To not disregard it, to not double guess, to not have a double standard, to not be like, well, I feel this way, but like, let me double check on that. No, it's just to act on it, right? That's when you know you're acting the way you want to be acting, that you're acting in accordance with who you are as a person. That's Zen, right? So when I sit there and I watch someone else do something they shouldn't do to another, and I feel some sort of way about it. I don't fly off the handle, but I, I'm, you know, I get involved. I'm like, hey, hey, well, why, why, why are you treating that person like that? That's not right. Don't do that. You know, there's still control over oneself in that, you know, in that moment, we'll say. So the act of being Zen is to just have this calm attentiveness in which one's actions are guided by intuition rather than by conscious effort. That's the definition. Well, let's break that down. A state of calm, right? What's your state of calm, right? My state of calm can be much different than yours. I'm calm in a lot of different actions that a lot of people will be like, dude, what the fuck is going on right now? I just kind of go, hmm, interesting. Do I need to, do I need to move? Do I need to act? Are those people safe? Is am I safe? If, uh, you know, do I need to be here? Should I not be here? My stall, my calm state is a, a much different than what your calm state is going to be. So first thing you got to do is define what your calm is. What's calm to you, right? What's, what's just even keel, mellow, content, just calm, right? And then we have to have to add attentiveness to that. So just the action of being attentive to something can take us out of a calmness, right? So when we get hyper-focused on something, when we we're sitting there and we're we supposed to be calm, but then we become aware of something, kind of like a hunter and the prey, you know? Is the lioness calm? Yeah. That's the part of it. It's not, not reacting. A good predator is calm, non-reactive, you know, only reacts when necessary, when the actual prey is within grasp and can be attained. Jump, don't jump the gun. Don't. So there's this calm of tentiveness, this ability to be aware of one's surrounding, have situational awareness, have uh, the thought and mind to be aware of one's surroundings and not just one's own self, but also incorporate the understanding of one's own self to be attentive to all of these things, but calmly, rationally. So even though we're talking about intuition, which is a just a knowing that is irrational, just trusting it, right? 
before that, there is the rationality, which is why Zen can be a very balanced state that I'm rationally aware of all of the things that are going on in the moment while not being attached to them, right? To be enlightened, to not be attached. And so I'm able to trust the intuition when it comes. I, I think that has something to do with having experienced many things in my life uh, that were rational, irrational, or just surprising by nature. Um, I find the people who are the most Zen are the people who have been through the most shit. And well, that's a trained response, right? You know, I've met many military personnel who are very Zen because they've been shot at. So if you're not shooting at them just right now, they're kind of like, okay, cool. What's going on here? Paramedics, medics, uh, ER nurses, um, some, you know, most cases, medical staff, uh, fighters, people who have been in what's quote unquote an emergency situation. Now, emergency situations are different to everybody. In my definition, an emergency situation is either asphyxiation or uncontrollable bleeding. Both of those things lead to death very quickly. Asphyxiation does not take long. If you don't, if you're not breathing for two minutes, you're dead. Um, and uncontrollable bleeding, if it's the, you know, femoral artery, you're bleeding out in, you know, moments. So those two things are, those are life emergencies, right? Some, someone is going to die if they're in asphyxiation and not breathing or in uncontrollable bleeding, they're going to die. Other than that, there's a level uh, that time will fix, right? If it's a cut or a scrape or a bruise, if it's, uh, you know, just anything, right? It could be as simple as just, you know, fucking spilled my coffee on me. That's not an emergency, but it might feel like it's just fuck so pissed off right now because I spilled my coffee on me and I got meetings and you know I got a client coming in I you know it becomes overwhelming all of these different cuts and wounds that the life around us throws at us that the world the universe throws at us the act of being zen is taking them all in and then making decisions not based on them not based on the rationality of like I want to spill my coffee on me and this person's going to this person's going to think this, you know, I don't know, you think I'm a messy person or just like clumsy or blah, 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 just getting so stuck in our minds that we don't have that attentive nature, that we're not being attentive to the outside world, right? What are you trying to prove? Like, hey, sorry, I spilled my coffee on me. Like, my bad. Like, you know, that's just, yeah, shit happens. How's your day? That's more of a Zen calmness where it's just like, well, you know, it happened. Okay. What's uh, maybe the universe is trying to tell me to slow down a little bit. Right. Uh, maybe, you know, maybe I need to just take a, take a minute or maybe I'm not being attentive enough. Maybe, you know, there's many times in my life now where I look around after, after this whole process of doing this podcast and, uh, you know, opening my own businesses and, and, you know, just going through life in general that I've now come to the conclusion when things happen that are, uh, I don't really have a good descriptive for it, maybe um, frustrating or annoying or, um, yeah, frustrating, annoying, fill in the blank there, right? That's some of the best times to take a pause, to be like, all right, what the fuck is going on? 
I gotta pay attention. What am I supposed to be paying attention to that I'm not paying attention to? What is, what is the universe trying to tell me? And so I become less frustrated overall because sometimes, like if I'm, you know, maybe if I'm a little late to something, or even if not a little late, like maybe I'm completely on time. I got plenty of extra time, and something happens that slows me down. Traffic jam, or um, forgot something. Like I get to my car and I'm like, yeah. I forget I forgot my wallet. Hold on. Back to my back to the house I go. These things that become minor annoyances, sometimes I take them in and I go, what's the universe trying to tell me? What's the world around me trying to tell me? Maybe I forgot my wallet because if I hadn't forgot my wallet, I would have been a little too quick to get in the car. And then I would have been a little bit too quick in my travels for the day. And that would have put me in the path of um, I don't know, a dump truck or, you know, a, a, a pothole that I wasn't going to see or some other minor annoyance that was supposed to, you know, because I didn't heed the slowdown, I'm just going to be present with another minor annoyance that will also slow me down. And if I keep not heeding these minor annoyances that are supposed to be slowing me down, I then run into a bigger annoyance uh, and so forth and so on until that snowballs into a, a, a major action against me, right? And so sometimes I think about those things and I consider that being attentive. Um, but on both sides of what's going on around me and then my actions that I'm going to take against it or my actions that are, it's going to, or is reminding me to take, right? Maybe I'm just forgetting to pay attention to something. And so the frustration I'm getting, the run down feeling, I should listen to it. Just as much as I talk about listening to your body when I'm talking about my body work practice or just bodies in general when we talk about health and wellness, when your body's telling you to slow down, you got to slow down. When your body's telling you to heal, you got to heal. Because if you don't pay attention to that, it's going to become a catastrophic issue. You're going to have a tear. You're going to have a displacement. You're going to have an impingement. You're going to have an entrapment. You're going to have any number of things can occur to the body to be like, hey, you got you to stop. Like what you're doing is not working for us. You got to stop. The body will interject at some point and be like, no, that's enough. Stop it. We're not going to take this shit anymore. You know, you can't just shove chips and fat and just terrible stuff in your face without going and exercising, right? There's got to be balance everywhere. The universe is constantly seeking balance. I've mentioned that many times in this podcast. The pressure motivation, the, the magnetic fields, the bioelectric system of the of the universe plus us, the hard light thing, everything I've ever mentioned, it's balance. The primordial cycles of uh, chaos, creation, order, and destruction, it's all balance. And I find a lot of times if we're not paying, into the, paying attention to the balance, something is going to intervene. It's going to be like, whoa, hey, balance. You got to pay attention to it. You're unbalancing the scales. And the act of being Zen is paying attention to that, a very calm attentiveness. Because a calm attentiveness allows us to make better decisions, even if they aren't just the intuition sense. If, the, if it's not full Zen, just the practice of being like, whoa, 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 whoa. War? Hold on, wait, wait, wait. War. We're talking about war here. Whoa, 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 whoa. Everybody, everybody chill. Everybody calm. Whoa, we're talking about war. We're talking about killing other people. In a grand scale. For what? Okay. All right. No. Not not a good idea. Right? 
hey, we're talking about war here. How do we de-escalate this? I would question in the modern time in which I am recording this podcast at the, in the current date, why there has not been and why spiritual question. Remember that always when I'm using why questions, I got, I've got some big fucking questions. Why there has not been de-escalation. Why it's not even a conversation. Why it's not even a course of action. It's simply just been escalate, escalate, escalate more money, more weapons, more death, more, more. That's not, that's not balance. If you were going to go that route into balance, you don't escalate. You de-escalate using full-on escalation. You just throw a nuke at the problem. That was World War II. Just throw a nuke at the problem, de-escalation. No, that's not the right answer. I'd be perfectly clear about that. But when it comes to war, that is the ultimate de-escalation. When you, be, you, when you bring so much violence to bear that there can be no escalation beyond that point. When you you are the epitome of escalation, that is the only way to use war as de-escalation. Letting it get to that point is an epic failure. Just a massive failure. And, and anyone paying attention would know that if they were using a more Zen approach, right? So to be attentive of the things around us, we are in a modern society where warfare is an everyday occurrence. It's, it's around you at all times. You are at war with something, someone, somewhere, somehow. It's just a part of life. Now we have to, we have to come to the representation and the conclusion and the understanding that you're at war. And I guarantee you one of the best things to do when in a wartime state is to be Zen, to be in a state of calm attentiveness in which one's actions are guided by intuition rather than by conscious effort. To be able to react on the spot correctly by trusting that you have the information, you have the knowledge, you have the know-how and the wherewithal to do the correct thing, to make the correct moves, to trust that you don't have to sit and research and understand. Because in a modern war, you're already behind. This is an information war. This is a, an untraditional war. And so if you have to play catch up the entire time, don't get involved in the war. That's the other way Zen mentality can work. Just don't get involved. Right? Don't, don't shit post everywhere on Twitter, on Facebook, on no, don't get involved. You're, you're not well informed enough to be involved. Don't do it. At the same time, if you're not well-informed enough, don't go on and read all these shit posts and take them for what they are or, or take them for information. Take them for what they are. It's just shit posts of like, no, don't pay attention to that. Don't listen to the news. Don't, none of it. It's all bias. And your intuition should be telling you that. Your intuition should be telling you that your time is your own. And if someone is vying for your time, they do not have your best interests in mind. Right? I'll be completely honest. I don't have your best interest in mind other than I want to provide you with a good product for sale of a service. Right? So you can go to norsepanda.com and you can buy a shirt, you can buy some yoga pants. And that is super appreciative. But I have a bias action there. I want you to purchase something. Now, on the other side of that, my Zen tells me life less serious. Right? Everything's fucking nonsense. Money's nonsense. 
If you need it, keep it. If you don't need it and you want to wear something fun for the for the exchange of giving me money to put on a cute shirt with a little a little panda on it, lifting some weights to get them gains on it, cool. I've provided a service that is acceptable for the monetary value in which you believe it's there. I've created that. I've supplied it. You can buy it. Same thing for, you know, if you feel that this podcast has some value to you, you can head over to taminghintresses.com uh, to the archive and use any one of the affiliate links there. Or you can head over to purebulk.com and use the coupon code taminghintresses to, you know, get a discount and I get a small commission on it. But all of those things are a biased action for me to tell you. Your intuition needs to tell you if that's right for you or not. That would be to be zen about the whole thing. The opposite side of that is, no, it's not for you. So the Zen action is not, fuck you, Phil, trying to sell me things. It's, no, thanks. But like, I like listening to your podcast, maybe. You know, I'll just, I'll just take the information you have. I don't, I don't need a support in that way. I'm not trying to say that to goad you into anything. Just that's, that's an okay Zen experience as well to be like, mm, no, it doesn't really resonate with me. I'm just going to, you know, continue listening and not do those actions. That's fine as well, right? It's finding this balanced, Middle ground. That's not left. That's not right. That's not, you know, extreme, not too lackadaisical. You got to find the balance and the balance starts within you. And that's what Zen's all about. Just being calm, but being aware. But that calm awareness allows you to be like, I feel like I should be standing over there and not where I'm at right now. And then all of a sudden you walk across the street and you're looking around and you see like the $5 bill on the ground. You're like, oh shit, that was cool. Found a $5 bill. Just these ways that the universe pulls and pushes. And by pushes, I mean pulls because there are no actual pushes in the universe. There are only pulls. So the way the universe pulls us in these different directions that we don't always pay attention to, Right? In fact, we're often too scared or too fearful of what's going to happen to actually act, to do the right thing in some cases. Anytime one of these major legislative bills hits the floor, every senator, every Republican, every Democrat, every House of Representative, Republican or Democrat should be standing up and going, um, I think... 600 some pages is too long for trying to do one thing. I think there might be a problem with unending spending and massive bailouts. I think there might be a problem if all of us want to fucking murder each other and we can't agree on anything. And they should stand up and be like, mm, hey, not flip their wig and, you know, go batshit crazy because that's what's happening on a regular basis. If you're shouting on the Senate floor, but, 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 but you failed, you failed. There's no balance in that. There's no balance in shouting and, and silence. That's not what that place is designed to be. It's designed to be a forum so that, you know, they can represent us in the actions in which they're speaking. I don't think they do that. I don't think any of them do that. 
just the act of politicians is a whole thing in and of itself. And I've talked about that before on this podcast, but you know, stepping off of that soapbox and possibly step on a different one, as I often do, we can learn from the ideas of Zen, right? We can learn from a calm of, of awareness. Let me put it that way. A calm that's brought about by awareness, right? To not feel like a prey, you have to be aware of your surroundings, right? That's what prey do constantly. Prey are constantly like, what's that noise? What's, what's, I don't under, I don't know. What's behind that bush? What's, what's in that hole? What's on that tree? What's over, what's over, where, what's next? That's what prey do. Predators, on the other hand, go, hmm, I see you. I'm going to hunt you. I'm going to stalk you. What's in the middle? Right? Predator or prey. That's, they always say, like, are you a predator or you're a prey? Are you a shark? Are you a lamb? You wolf, you're a goat. Like, but, but it, it, all of this two-sided nonsense. Zen doesn't believe in sides. There are no two sides in Zen. There are infinite possibilities of, of sides. Zen is the understanding of the Trinity, of the every duality is an actual Trinity because there is no such thing as two sides. There is just two sides of a coin. Those coins are infinite and they are just measurement structures. Everything I've talked about on this podcast has in some way related to the actions that I've learned from being more Zen, being more calm and attentive and just allowing the things around me to guide my actions while not actually putting too much effort or thought into them. That's not to say that I'm always Zen. There are many nights where I try to go to bed and my mind just won't shut up about the things I said that day or the, the you know, just the way in which I interacted not even with the group, but away from the group in that corner where I was like, oh, you know, maybe they took it the wrong way that I wasn't really paying attention. I was just over there lifting some weights and, you know, they didn't see me and I didn't see them. And then, you know, I just kind of walked past later because I thought they were just having a conversation and I, I didn't want to interrupt and I, I was just finishing up my workout and there was just too many people and I had to walk away. And like my mind will just race over those things constantly, which is not a very Zen state of being, but I'm not always Zen. On occasion, I am, but not always. It's a learned skill in some cases. But there's a lot to be learned there, right? Just, you know, in the latter part of the definition here, guided by intuition rather than by conscious effort. There's not a lot of super intuitive people out there. And those who actually are, are not well-trained, um, myself included. I am intuitive in some ways, but I'm not very good at it. I have to train myself to be better at it. And sometimes I get it right, sometimes I get it wrong. So just in that sense, we've already narrowed the field, right? But I do believe everyone has some sort of level of intuition capability. It's just not often practiced. And it's not often practiced because of the things that you're doing that often take away those senses from you. So part of this conversation on Zen also includes this conversation that I would like to disregard the uh, Barathee Guru douchebags from ever having again, which is, you know, when people talk about, oh, this is, this is going to piss some people off. People talk about having intuition and how they're guided by spirit and by light. And yeah, in some cases that's true, but here's a better guide factor for you, right? Uh, instead of talking like it, 
talking about it that way that like intuition is this this voice in their heads that's you know you, yeah it's this voice or this no it's just a feeling right it's it, it's a trained action and intuition comes about when we actually pay attention and so everyone has the capability of doing it everyone does but when we're talking about upping your vibration state you'll hear that you know be more up your be more aware be more awake up your vibration they don't understand what they're really fucking talking about and what they're really talking about is stop allowing yourself to be manipulated and coerced to be more awake not fucking woke because woke is a bullshit idea and idealism that's based on marxism and rewritten into history into something that's not even correct anymore i have no idea it's a corrupted action so no stop being woke the quote quote woke wake up to the fact that buying into the woke ideology is buying into someone else's ideal structure that wants you to act in a way they want you to act for their own means and their own way right being part of any movement, any movement, whatever that movement might be, for the reason that you want to feel included and like you're on the right side of the argument means you are immediately wrong because it has nothing to do with your own belief structures. The rarity in which someone would kill someone else because of their belief structures is something we have for centuries tried to figure out and in every case so far we've decided no that's not the right thing to do taking someone's life because you don't believe what they believe has never and will never be correct action ask the crusades ask every world war ask any war in general Killing someone because you can't agree on any bullshit topic is wrong action. So if you're following wokeism or any other ideological set that leads you to want to harm someone else, you're wrong. Inaction. You're not wrong in your mentality. You've been corrupted. You've been coerced. But you're definitely not being Zen because if you were being Zen, you would stand back and be like, whoa, do I really want to hurt other people? What's driving me to want to hurt other people? Why? Spiritual question. Why would I want to hurt other people? What did they actually do against me? Did they physically harm you? Did they physically harm you so much that you would want to kill them? Or that justice should be brought about. Right? That's why we have a legal system. That's why we have society. That's why we have community. Anyone calling for the harm of another person clearly does not understand themselves. I've been harmed. I've been harmed in ways people can't even fathom that I can't even describe. I've been harmed in ways that my brain won't let me think about on some occasions. Do you think I want anyone else to have to go through that? Absolutely fucking not. 
So the individuals who are calling for those actions have no idea what they're asking for. Anyone who's calling for someone to die, to lose their life, has never seen death, has never watched the skin as it grays, watches the breath leave the individual, watches the eyes as they glass over, watches rigor mortis sets in. They've never seen it. Because if they did, they'd be horrified at what they're asking for. So no, those things are not Zen. And I would highly recommend you yourself try to be more Zen because you won't be subjected to those things anymore. You won't be subjected to the coercion and the corruption of all the bullshit that's in the world we live in. Humanity is a failed experiment in my mind. I have done my best to keep this podcast as positive you know, as I can and talking about self-awareness and mental health and, you know, you know, just being like, yeah, you know, you can get through this. You can do this. You can, you absolutely can. You can take control of your own mentality. And that's what I'm advocating for here. And the, the conversation about changing the narrative of depression into a more positive conversation, not even a positive conversation, just a fucking conversation in general, I'm taking away the negative connotation. With that, I will openly admit that I believe humanity to be a failed experiment. The atrocities that we have committed to one another, to other species, to other things, is unfathomable at this point. We are not that important to the grand scheme of things. We cannot be that important to the grand scheme of things. I guess maybe the argument could be that we are allowed to get away with it, so we are, but I don't think that's true. I think the reckoning will come. I think if humanity continues down this war-strewn path of manipulation, and I mean warfare at all levels. Remember, I say we were at war. You were at a mental war, a physical war. There are so many different facets of war and ways to do it. You are at war. If we just continue down that path, then a reckoning will come. A balance will come about. A fucking meteor or something. Because we just can't be that important that this much suffering would be allowed. That this much imbalance would be allowed. We are not in a balance. There is no homeostasis of humanity. We don't even know what that would look like. There's a bunch of people with a bunch of ideologies who can't even agree that it's okay for you, someone else to have a different ideology than them. That's not a correct ideology. If you can't understand that someone else is allowed to have different belief structures and different ways of seeing it. If you can't even put yourself in the perspective that your language makes a massive difference, the way you learned language, what, how you understand it, the way you define it for yourself, the vernacular in which you use, the actual language you speak, if it's, you know, Mandarin, if it's Cantonese, if it's, you know, Norwegian, if it's American English, if it's European English, if it's French, if it's Italian, if it's any, if it's a dialect from a different region in which you, you're talking, we're talking about Southern English to, uh, you know, Northern American English. If you can't understand just that alone will cause issues of translation. And so that you cannot agree on things because maybe you don't understand that you're just talking about two different things because the verbiage is different. How are you going to be balanced? in your methodologies. That's Zen at a greater level. A state of calm attentiveness. 
this is the biggest point I wanted to make in this whole talk, and I'll, I'll wrap it up here because you know I don't think there's much more to say on it. Well, okay, there's a lot more to say on this subject, but I think this is this is a good point to go out on. For some reason, Zen has gotten the understanding that it is an individual practice. And yes, it very much so is an individual practice. But in order for Zen to be Zen, it must also be a macrocosmic practice. It is a structure of balance. So let us apply this definition of Zen to the macrocosm instead of the microcosm to better understand the microcosm. The act of being Zen, right? The noun act of being Zen. A state of calm attentiveness in which ones, so let's replace ones with, in which actions, let's just eliminate the one from it there. A state of calm attentiveness in which actions are guided by intuition rather than by conscious effort. If societies and communities and governments, nations, were to be more Zen. The places, things, ideas, methods, and all around being of humanity would be in a place so far beyond where we are now, we can't even possibly fathom it. Zen, the noun, is a Japanese sect of Mahayana Buddhism that aims at enlightenment by direct intuition through meditation. The adjectives of Zen are of relating to or associated with Zen Buddhism, suggestive of the teachings or practice of Zen Buddhism, or having or showing qualities, such as meditative calmness and attitude of acceptance, popularly associated with practitioners of Zen Buddhism. I'm not saying everyone has to be a Zen Buddhist. What I am saying is that if the idea of Zen was better understood at a macrocosmic level, I think we would find that it fits quite a few things and would allow for a better attentiveness at a calmer state to allow for a non-secular, a non-partisan, a non-segregated, a non-two-sides-are-the-only-way situation. I can't say I'll probably ever see it in my lifetime or that humanity has the capability to do it. So I have to ask on the other side of that conversation that you do it yourself, not be Zen as far as practicing Zen Buddhism and, and reading the, the Mahayana and, and these things. I would ask, use the macro of the micro. At a macrocosmic level of your microcosmic world, of you yourself, try to just have a calmer attentiveness to the things in which you're doing and those that happen around you. 
if you are stuck in an ideology or a methodology, or if you are a woke individual following the ideologies of other people, if you're a Democrat, you're a Republican, if you're a Chinese American and Canadian, Australian, Indian, Afghani, Korean, if you have a title or, or, or a way of understanding yourself, I would ask you to separate those things that are quintessentially that to those things that are quintessentially you. Because I don't think there's any problem with identifying in any way you choose to identify. The problem comes when you believe that everyone else should identify the same way you do in your identification. That you can't think outside of yourself anymore and you become so ingrained in the idea that you are vastly different than everyone and somehow superior for it that you forget. Just like you have the right to believe who you are, they have the right to believe who they are. And it's actually a beautiful thing that we get to be different than one another so that we can have the conversations as to how we think life should go or how we think things should be. It allows for amazing stories and different takes and conversation and contextual understandings. It allows for poetry. It allows for the differentiation of the understanding of one haiku for one person and that same haiku for someone else. How simple words on a page can have a profound effect on a person and yet another they're just words on a page. These things come about by the act of depression to be a unique understanding inside of a universe that is wholly misunderstood. But to be calm about it so that we can be guided from the action of intuition so that we can be quote-unquote zen. As always, I appreciate you listening. Uh, do please head over to taminghendrices.com slash the archive and check out Thomas Hoover's The Zen Experience if you um, just want to read through the history of Zen. It's a great read. It's, it's an easier read as far as some of the Zen books out there can go, um, but I think you know he did a great job on it. Um, head over to northpanda.com, get yourself some cool gear. Uh, head over to purebulk.com, use Taming Hendrix's coupon code, um, all those things. Um, that's about it. Just be Zen. Just breathe. Just chill. Just, you know, take a moment. I'll catch you on the next one. Thanks.